Thank you, church. It's great to be with you this morning. Privileged to get to open the word with you. The four days in between, or, or the days between Christmas and New Year's are just very awkward days. I don't quite know what to do with them, right? Some churches cancel service. Some churches live stream uh, their service. Mount Hope's answer to that was to make their youth pastor uh, have the debut preaching uh, on this day, but very excited to be with you. Yeah. Pastor Marvin said to me before the service, he said, this could either be incredible or it could go up in flames. <laughs> and I said, thank you so much for the encouragement. What a blessing you are to me. Uh, but in all reality, really is a privilege to open the word with you and look into what God has for us heading into the new year. I don't know how you came in, uh, if this has been a tough year for you, or maybe you're flying high, uh, but just really a privilege. A couple months ago, I was taking a flight to Houston, Texas. I was on the plane, and like the last minute person that I am, I had bought the tickets a couple days beforehand which you know what that did for me. It landed me in the middle seat in the back of the plane. And so as I walk towards the back of the plane, uh, there's a couple guys, and I see, the, I see the row that I'm sitting in. There's two guys on either side with a seat in the middle open. And I know that they're praying that no one will sit there and they'll get a flight with extra leg room. Uh, but sorry to disappoint, I have to, I have to scoot in there. I sit down for the flight. The guy to my left immediately passes out and goes to sleep and is snoring. The guy to my right is everything that I want to be in life. The slick back hair, the suit, just really sharp. And as we start to have a little bit of small talk, we go back and forth, what hair product do you use? And, you know, where, where'd you get your suit? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you have, there's that prodding of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, you got to talk to this guy. you got to tell him about me if he doesn't know. you got to find out if he knows about me. And so I'm like, oh man, we've talked through all the small talk. How do I approach this with him? Just looking for a little bit of an avenue to get in there. I go to talk to him and he puts his headphones in. It's like, oh, well. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, i got to do this. How am I going to do it? Which way do you want it, man? I'm coming after you. Do I ask you to take the headphones out? What do I do? And a couple hours into the flight, I'm still just kind of looking for that opportunity. The, the, the uh, pilot comes over the intercom and says, we're 30 minutes out from Houston. And he takes his headphones out. And it was a very real sense, very real palpable moment there where it's like, I got 30 minutes to tell this guy what's on my heart. I got 30 minutes to share with this guy what Christ has done in my life. And then just, I want to hear a story. I want to find out about him. In a very real way, I feel that this morning. Heading into 2020, I have 30 minutes here to tell you what I think uh, the Lord has laid on my heart for this message. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, if you call yourself one, we come in here and we look back at the last year and we look at the highs and the lows and all the things that happened. We look at the coming year and say, as a follower of Jesus, how do I grow in Jesus. How do I grow in my relationship with Jesus? We have found that life is better with Christ if we're a follower of Jesus. But Jesus doesn't leave us how he found us, right? That's, a, that's the beauty of walking with him, is that he changes us and, and makes us more into his likeness. 
So the question becomes, how do I walk with Jesus? How do I grow in relationship with him? The passage that we're going to jump into is 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. And so you can feel free to turn there. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be in uh, a sermon series, the 2020 Vision Series for the month of January. Talking about spiritual disciplines, things that we do, tools that we've been given that are at our disposal to grow our walks with Christ. You could consider this message a bit of a prequel to that message. And unfortunately, the danger, the temptation that can happen in a message like that is I think we can build this structure of spiritual disciplines, things that we know we need to do. But if we don't have the foundation right, if the foundation is not set, that structure topples every time. And we start to feel frustrated and like, I'm doing so many of the things I think I'm supposed to do or I've been told to do. Why is it not working for me? Right? I've certainly felt that. Maybe you have as well. And we need to get the foundational truth right. And I think Second Peter chapter 1 does a good job of pulling this out. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it's in verse 3, I'll read verses 3 through 9. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world, because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue, knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Can we just pray for a moment? Lord, I ask that you might reveal yourself through your word this morning as we look in to see what you have for us. Lord, that our affections would be stirred for you this morning, that we might learn what it means to follow you, to pursue you, thank you for your word. I thank you for the way it transforms hearts and lives and does things that mere words could never do. And uh, we pray that you might reveal yourself this morning through this word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to just park in verse 3, if we could, of that passage. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We just came out of a season of doing, right? Gifts, parties, got to get to the next place, got to do the next thing, do, 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 do. Could we, just for a moment, my request is, could we just rest this morning as we look at God's word in what has already been done for us? The beauty that is in those words in Second Peter, that he has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. And so as we think about spiritual growth, 
our starting point is just that, that he's given us all we need. We have everything. If you notice in the passage, it doesn't say he's granting to us all things. He has granted to us through his divine power. He's not calling us to his own glory and excellence. He has called us. We have everything that we need to live this life. I think what happens in this society, this culture of doing, is we just feel like we're on this hamster wheel of things to do, and we're, some of us are grinding it out with our faith, right? That's how it feels at times. I've been there. I know that. But when we can get this truth right, that we first need to understand what Christ has done for us. If we understand what he has accomplished for us in his death and resurrection, that is the foundation. That is the foundation. Let me show you one other place where he tells us what he has done for us. And once again, just the sweetness of resting in that this morning, that the work is done, it is finished, as he says on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And this is where it all switches, right? This is, the, this is beautiful. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I read that, I get fired up, man. I'm excited. I, I'll clap with everyone to, when Tom Brady throws a touchdown on Sunday. Like, I'm there. I seriously am. But if that doesn't get you fired up that once we were dead and now we are alive in Christ, that is a beautiful truth. And we celebrate that as the people of God. That's why we come here and sing these songs of worship to him is because once we were dead and now we are alive. And if we keep that in perspective... If we keep it in perspective and understand the, what Christ has accomplished for us, that is the foundation to all of the things that we put on top of it. The spiritual disciplines, reading his word, spending time in prayer. Those things are a result of this. In and of themselves, they don't save. In and of themselves, they don't save. But what they do, Christ's sacrifice pushes us towards that. It is the fuel in the engine that pushes us towards uh, obedience in a life for him. Paul uh, says it in uh, Philippians this way, and I'll read it um, off the screen. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. 
Paul puts it even more simply. How do I grow in my walk with Jesus, in my relationship with Jesus in 2020? We pursue Christ. We pursue Christ. He is the pursuit. He is the goal. It's all about him. But so often, I think many of us feel like we need to do something, right? We need to do more. I need to be better. I need to read more. God is saying, the work is done. Let that work, the work that I have done for you, push you to those good things. The question I think comes to my mind, and maybe it did for yours, so why don't I see what God wants me to see, right? So, yes, James, I'm, I'm rocking with you. I believe that I, pursuing Christ is the way to go. But why does some, why do my vision feel blurry sometimes? I don't wear contacts. I don't wear glasses. Some of you do. You know what it's like to not have your glasses on or your contacts in and you're stumbling around. I think that's sometimes how we live in this Christian life. Why don't I see what God wants me to see? Let me give you a few things that I think, um, are helpful when it comes to the ways that we kind of stray from what God wants us to see. Number one, I think we look in the wrong place. We look in the wrong places. When we open scripture, we have this really nasty habit of reading a passage of scripture and saying, what does this mean for me? What could I get from this? How could I be better? Instead of looking at the passage and saying, what does this say about my God? What does this say about God, the creator of the universe? But we're constantly trying to pull stuff, up, pull stuff out for ourselves. We are in Christ. So if I want to learn about me, i got to first learn about who Christ is, right? If we are in Christ. And so we have that habit. The other habit that we have is feeling like we're grinding it out, right? Doing it in our own strength. We look in the wrong places. We look here. Our society is always telling us, look within yourself, right? Self-transformation. All those things. Man, I'm so glad I don't have the responsibility of transforming myself because I fail every time. I fail every time. Thank you, Jesus, that he has done the work. I don't know how you walk in here. Maybe it's your first Sunday ever. Maybe uh, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. The truth doesn't change. The truth doesn't change is that if that is the foundation, if we pursue Christ to know what he has accomplished for us, to understand the depths to which he loves us. That is the wind in the sails to the Christian life. That is what pushes us and motivates us to live the life that we're called to live. I think the second place that we go wrong is that we are nearsighted. Our vision is blurred. Some of you know what that's like. In verse 9, it says, we're nearsighted and blind, forgetting what we've been cleansed from. I don't know if it's your circumstances that have blurred the vision. Maybe you're in tough, tough circumstances right now. And you're saying, where is God in all of this? Like, how could there be a God when my circumstances are so bad? Or maybe you're like the rich young ruler who's like, yo, my life is good. I got all the money in the world. I don't need, I don't need God. What do I need God for? The truth is that we don't pursue Christ to better our circumstances or to change our circumstances. We pursue Christ 
because he has cleansed us from our former sins. He has done the work, right? And so when we, when we try to do it just to change the circumstances, once again, leaving us very frustrated, saying, God, why doesn't this change? I could die today, and if I have not accomplished all that I set out in my life to accomplish, if I've pursued Christ, my life is worth it. My, it's all been worth it if I've pursued Christ. That's what Paul says. And so that's the attitude that we need to have. I pray that we're a church that can say that, right? People in the church that say, I'm pursuing Christ above all else, throw everything else to the side. That's what matters. That is why we do it. The last part of that is I think we just have a belief problem. I think we have a belief problem that God is going to do what he said he can do. And that's where we become, we take the posture of the father in Mark 9 with the demon-possessed son. And he says, I believe. Could you help my unbelief? That's all of us. Our faith is not yet perfect. It will be one day when we see him face to face. Right? 1 Corinthians 13. But our faith is not perfect. We have a belief problem. Lord, would you, I believe, would you help me with my unbelief. Lastly, on that point, I think we see what we want to see. I think ultimately we see what we want to see. Many people say many different things about who Jesus is, right? The Hindus would say, you can, you can worship him as a god, but also with all these other gods. The Jewish religion would say he was a good teacher, the Muslim faith would say he's, he was a, a good prophet. Who do you say he is? Jesus says in Matthew 16 to his disciples, hey, who does everyone say that I am? I love that. I love that. And, and they say back to him, oh, Elijah, good teacher. And he says, but who do you say that I am? He says, well, you're the Messiah. You're the king. That is our response. If that is our response, that is how we pursue Christ. Who you set up as your king is going to determine which kingdom you serve, right? So who you have placed as your king will determine the kingdom. Who's your king? You will find if Jesus is not set up as your king, trust me, there's been times in my life where he was not, you will find that all other kingdoms fall. All other kingdoms do eventually fail. I grew up in uh, what I would consider very rules-heavy faith, in, in, rules, not relationship, let's put it that way. And I felt like God was this guy in the sky with a lightning bolt ready to strike me when I did something wrong. And instead, what I've learned over the years is he's a loving father. And so as a loving father, when you've set him up as king of your life, father of your life, man, when you, when you mess up, you run to him. You run to him and say, I'm so sorry. Could you help me? Could you help me? Because I, I want to please you. I want to live to please you. That's our posture towards Jesus. In 2020, the way that we grow in our relationship with Jesus is to pursue Jesus, to pursue Christ. How do you pursue your wife? How do you pursue your husband? You spend time with him. How do you pursue a brother, a sister, a friend? You get to know them. That's the things we're going to talk about 
in this month of January is the tools that we've been given, the word, prayer. That's how we do, that's how we get to know him, right? But we have to have the foundation set first. We have to have that foundation set to say, he has done all the work for us. There's nothing left for you to do. There is no, it is finished. How beautiful is that? It is finished. Man, that takes all the pressure off me. I don't know about you. I feel the, I feel the weight lifted when, when I read those words. For many of us, we've been so conditioned to work to get to God. Every other religion will tell you that you have to work your way to God. What a beautiful, beautiful promise it is that God came to us, right? He's not saying do more. He's saying done. It's done, right? Amen. Amen. To illustrate that point, I found myself at a Celtics game. I got a call from a friend and he um, said, hey, I want to give you a ticket to the Celtics game. I had been to Celtics games before, I'm sure. Many of you have been to Celtics games before. And get to the gate, and I walk up to get the ticket scanned, and the guy says, hey, good evening, Mr. Gerard. Welcome, we've been expecting you. (laughs) What was that? This is a different experience than I've had at every other Celtics game I've gone to. Normally, they're just like pushing you through, like cattle. Come on. Like, oh, this is nice. He said, let me take you to your seat. Okay, let's go. I'm into that. I'm expecting him to take me to the top row. (laughs) Excuse me. The top row. He proceeds to start me on the bottom level. Like, we're walking down towards the court. Like, Wow. This is really, really not. I'm going to sit in the lowest level. He then proceeds to bring me onto the court and shows me one seat, says, here's your seat. Please enjoy your night. Let me know if I can do anything for you, if we can get anything for you. I'm like, yo, call my friend like, I love you. (laughs) You are the man. You're my friend for life. (laughs) Thank you. Right? As I look around to my left, and you can put that picture up, to my left is all the Red Sox players to my left. That's Hanley, that's Hanley Ramirez to my left. They couldn't have sat me next to a better Red Sox player, I guess. I could have, you know, Xander Bogart, Spooky Betts. Would have taken anyone but Hanley, but I got Hanley. That's all right. Not complaining. All to my left is all Red Sox players, and all to my right is restaurant owners, business moguls, people out of my league. Let's put it that way. And I have this overwhelming sense of, I do not belong here, (laughs) right? That's how I feel. Like, everyone's looking at me. I don't belong here. And the truth is, I didn't belong there. It wasn't my seat. But you know, if they tried to kick me out of that game, they couldn't because I had a ticket, right? I had the ticket. That is how each of us stand before Christ, right? We have a, he has given us the very best. We deserved nothing. I could not afford that seat. That's a $1,500 seat, I'm guessing. I can't afford that. Christ has given us the best. He's put us right on the front row. And I think 
it really produces two different responses. I think there's two groups of people in this room today. One group of you, maybe over time, and I, I, I've been there, adopted this kind of self-righteousness, like, I deserve this. I somehow have deserved all that has come to me. It's a scary place to be. And then you pull out your money, and you're like, how much do I owe you? What, what can I give you for that? Two bucks? Three bucks? It's like, you can't pay for that. You're, it, it's filthy rags compared to what I have for you. And then the other is sitting here and is crushed under the guilt and weight of sin and feeling like, I don't measure up. I don't deserve this. Right? It's the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee saying, Lord, thank you that I'm not like them. And the tax collector's head is down saying, who am I that I would deserve this? For each one of us, the blessing, the, what we can hold on to in 2020 as we pursue Christ is that he has given us a ticket. You have the ticket. And so we no longer need to work towards that. The work is done. If, you, if you're feeling like you're close to God, you might not be. If you're feeling like you're close to God through your own righteousness, through your own works, you might not be. If you're feeling like you're far from him this morning, you're closer than you think. That's the beauty of the gospel. Is that he closed that gap that we could never close. He gave us that ticket that I could never afford. What's funny is it, it didn't even become my seat, right? It was his seat. It stayed his seat. Still not my seat. But through Christ, we belong. We belong. And so as we close here this morning, would you just take a few minutes as we go into 2020? It's the last Sunday of the year. We're looking and seeing, God, what do you have for me this year? You're looking back at all that's happened. You're looking forward at all that's to come. Could we just take a moment as we sing a song of worship? I don't, if you need to come down to the front and just get something right with the Lord, if you need to, um, maybe you've never accepted that gift and you're saying, I want that. I, w I want to know what that is. We have elders and leaders who are happy to, to pray with you. But don't leave here until you've gotten that right. Man, the way we live a life in 2020 that is growing in Christ is to pursue him with all we got because he's done everything for us. Let's pray and as we sing, once again, if you want just in your seat, spend some time in prayer. If you want to come forward, uh, please let the spirit lead in that way. Lord, we thank you for your gift Lord, we thank you for what you have done, the price that you have paid that I could never pay. Lord, I thank you that it's not by my works. It's not by our works. Lord, I pray that you might transform our hearts and our minds, that we might pursue you above all else.
this year in 2020, that as a church, we might be marked as people that pursue you, that want to know you more, that are so grateful for what you've done for us that it would produce a response in us that is worship. Lord, may it affect every other aspect of our lives. May we not be comfortable Christians. Lord, I want to live a life that is pleasing to you and pursue fully after you. Thank you for the reminder that we have the ticket in you. Anything that I said today, Lord, that is not consistent with your character or your likeness, that it would be forgotten before we leave, and anything that is glorifying to you, that it would sink into our hearts and might change lives. We thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen.